0: Welcome to the Life Fellowship Ministries International Broadcast. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. Alright, so we're in this series called Live It. And uh, live it means to live out what we say we believe or be quiet because people don't want to hear it. They want to see people that go out and... Yeah. <laughs> All right. Great. And this morning I want to be talking about faith. And we're, if you've been coming here for a while, you know that we're going through the book of James line by line and verse by verse. And uh, I just have a question for you. Are you being challenged in your walk with the Lord? Or are you being challenged to grow spiritually? Uh, I know I am in going through this series. Um, faith is critical to our relationship with the Lord. Hebrews eleven six says, "And it is impossible, say impossible, it is impossible to please God without faith." Anyone who wants to come to Him must believe that God exists, and He rewards those who sincerely seek Him. So clearly, we have to have faith in to have faith in God. We have to believe that He exists, right? And then I think it's important that we understand that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. The Greek word for to believe is to have faith, to place one's trust in. So it doesn't just, it's not just thinking about, uh, well, I believe that this chair can hold me up. It's demonstrating faith by saying, I'm going to sit in this chair trusting that it's going to hold me up. And so, believing in in God is not just knowing that He exists, but trusting Him in our lives and to to, uh, have faith in Him. Uh, We also need to believe that He rewards those who diligently or sincerely seek Him. The Greek word here uh, for uh, rewarder or reward is that, uh, it's a Greek word that means paymaster, one who makes payments in return for services rendered. So, this word implies receiving money, but it's not about receiving money as, as it is as much as just uh, receiving God's blessings in our lives They go far beyond money. And it, it, it could imply that we must work for our rewards, but that's not what the writer is saying here. He's saying, no, it's a, a matter of obedience and following Him. He is a rewarder for those who diligently or sincerely seek Him. And, uh, you know, I, I thought about some, what some of those rewards could look like, and I just came up with some. Some could be money, our provision. We know that God is our provider. It can be health and healing and wholeness in our lives. It can be uh, maybe we're praying for a, a spouse. Maybe we're praying for a potential spouse to come into our lives. And uh, uh, maybe we're praying for a, a spouse that uh, is unsaved. And so those can be the rewards, some of the rewards of those who diligently seek him and are praying, Lord God, I'm I'm praying for my spouse. I'm praying that you bring me someone into my life that's going to be a great partner for me. Uh, The Lord's protection over us and for our family. Uh, Peace. When we lose a a loved one, we, we know what the peace of God that passes all understanding, that guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus is like. Uh, Other benefits of of this relationship are forgiveness for all of our sins, Uh, restored relationship with God that was broken in the garden when Adam and Eve sinned, guidance and help through this life, through the power of the Holy Spirit, eternal life with God. And other believers in heaven. So those are just some of the things that I thought of. But God is a rewarder for those who sincerely seek Him because it's built on this relationship. And He wants to bless our lives. He does bless our lives. But faith is critical. We're going to be looking at James chapter 2 and also Hebrews 11.1. 1. The core scripture for this series is James one twenty two. But don't just listen to God's Word, period. You must do what it says period otherwise you're fooling yourselves uh, so let's look at James 2 1 my dear brothers and sisters how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others um, do we do we stop looking to the Lord for our provision or are we looking to others you know the corporation and our boss or whatever the government are we looking at our 401k plan, or, or, or maybe are we dependent on ourselves to meet all of our needs? Do we favor some people over other people due to external factors like uh, racial, or social, or financial, or political? Where's our focus? Who are we depending on? And how are we viewing other people? Uh, James 2 2 says, for example, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry, and another comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. How are we viewing people? Are we seeing people like God sees them? Or are we judging people based on external things? I remember a, a church that Pastor Christine and I went to a number of years ago. Um, they looked down on others that didn't come in dressed like the standard. And I can remember being in the foyer and people would come in and they would kind of get this up and down look like, oh no, you're not meeting the criteria here. You're not dressed like you're supposed to be dressed. And I remember uh, praying on, playing on the praise and worship team and uh, they required us to wear a suit and tie and that was pretty much the standard there. And so to be on the praise and worship team you had to wear a coat and tie A suit, really. And uh, there was this one guy that came to the church, and he was a a good guitar player, and he he had a good heart. He he had come out of the world, you know, and he was kind of struggling, but, you know, he was there. He was faithful. He was giving of his time and talents, and he was doing the best he could, but he didn't dress very well. And I remember the mandate came down that we had to wear a suit and tie to play, to be on the platform. Well, this guy went and he got a suit, I guess from Goodwill or somewhere, to meet the criteria. And he stood out more trying to fit in and, and meet the, the requirements than the way he would dress before. And I always felt bad for him because I felt, you know, if, if someone, and there were people in that church that had money, if that was such a priority, why didn't somebody take him down and buy him a decent suit? <laughs> And, and then I remember at, at our home church in Corpus, there was a group of ladies there. Uh, Christine and I called them the fashion police. <laughs> and, and they were always making judgments about how people dress. Now, these women, they worked at, at uh, Dillard's and Joskis and some of those, those nice uh, uh, stores. And so they could get discounts on their clothes. So they always dressed to the nines. I mean, they always looked nice. But I remember they told this lady that played on the praise and worship team one time, they said, well, that dress looks like it came from Walmart. It did. Could you be any more insensitive? If it's that big of a deal, why don't you take some of your discount and tell this lady, hey, honey, come on, we're going to go have a a girl's day out. We're going to go get you a pedicure, a manicure, and we're going to buy you a couple of nice dress suits. Why, Why are people like that? Why do do we act like that? Why are we looking down on others that that maybe have less than what we do? For example, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry, and another comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but say to the poor one, you can stand over there, or else you can sit on the floor. Well, what's our heart? We're missing something here. He goes on to write, "Um, doesn't Doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? God doesn't discriminate the way that we do. We should not be judging people by what we see on the external. God is looking at our heart. James 5, 2-5. Listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? The poor may have a greater dependence on God and less dependence on their riches. The rich may have a greater dependence on their riches and less dependence on the Lord. Faith is a matter of our heart demonstrated through our life. Rich or poor can be... uh, rich in faith. It has nothing to do with what we have or don't have. It's a matter of our heart. You know, one of the, the challenges that I think for many young believers is is uh, returning their, the tithe, the first 10% of our increase to the Lord. And and you don't know how you're, you're gonna pay your bills sometimes. I remember that was a great test of faith for Pastor Christine and I when we first got saved and we learned about tithing, returning the first of our increase but we saw how God came through and even though we didn't know how it was going to work out we stepped out in faith we said okay we know that the first 10% of our increase belongs to the Lord we're going to do that and it was amazing how God came through and and this is not about tithing it's about faith and so there have been times when we have stepped out in faith and many of you have heard the stories some of our stories that we've shared where uh, the Lord told us to that he was going to bring somebody to buy our house, and we didn't even have a sign in the yard. I'm talking about stepping out in faith. Listen, faith is like a muscle that we exercise. And as we step out in faith and we see God faithful to us in meeting our needs, and I'm not just talking about financial, I'm talking about peace or, or health or healing or whole, whatever that looks like, then it builds our faith. And the next time that we have a challenge that's going to require us to step out in faith, we're like, oh yeah, I remember when we were praying for a vehicle and somebody gave us a brand new vehicle. Those are the kinds of things that God will do. I remember when my wife had endometriosis and we prayed and she was supernaturally healed. Those are the kinds of things that that we learn as we step out in faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. Do you want to please God? Then listen and obey and step out in faith and do what He said because this may be the mechanism that God uses to build your faith, these challenges that we have to cause us to be rich in faith. It requires something of us to actually step out in faith. And then we can look back and say, look how God provided. Wow. James 2.5, listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? I believe that we naturally look down on the poor. And, you know, really living in this country, even the poor among us are, are rich compared to people that live in other countries. We are so blessed. And let us not forget that the blessings that we have come from him. It's not because we're so wonderful. We've just been blessed. James 2.5 continues, Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? The Lord has a special place in his heart for people that are poor and struggling, I believe. But more importantly, we, inherit those, we are those who inherit the kingdom because we love him, because we have this relationship with him. I believe the Lord looks over those who are suffering and hurting and lonely. And maybe, maybe it's not a matter of what we have or don't have. Maybe we're just going through a season where we're hurting, where we're in pain, where we're suffering. And the Lord has come to meet our needs. Those who are rich in faith and love Him will inherit the kingdom of God. It seems like James shifts gears now. And let me ask you to consider, do rich people... Have influence can people of influence have evil or selfish motives of course they can James 2 6 but you dishonor the poor isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you into court and we see that we've seen that happen back in these times and we see that even happen today where people are taken advantage of because they don't have the resources to defend themselves being rich or poor does not determine our motives. It's our character that determines our motives. Our motives are driven by our character. There are godly, very, very godly rich people. There are very godly poor people, too. Godly character is developed. And as we yield to him, God is doing this work and this process in our hearts and lives. Let's continue on, James 2.6. But you dishonor the poor, isn't it? The rich who oppress you and drag you into court, aren't they the ones who slander Jesus Christ, whose noble name you bear? Think about some of the rich people today. Think about some of the people that are in, in influential positions today, trying to, take, uh, uh, trying to shut down churches and, and trying to keep prayer out of the schools and trying to keep prayer out of the church and all the different things that are going on. Yes, indeed, it is good when you obey the royal law as found in the Scriptures. Love your neighbor as yourself. To love one another is not based on being rich or poor. It's a matter of the heart. As the Lord transforms our heart, godly love and passion increases for him and for one another. And that's why from time to time, I've asked you to pray this prayer with me. Lord, help me to love others like you love me and you love them. And God will do that transformation in our hearts and lives to help us truly love One another. What if I cared for my neighbor as much as I do for myself? What if I drove down the street and his trash can is rolling around in the street? Will I stop and pick it up? I would do it if it were mine. What if we loved one another like we love ourselves? I think we'd see a different world. James 2 9. But if you favor some people over others, you're committing a sin. (laughs) Ha ha. Pretty Strong words you're guilty of breaking the law For the person who keeps all of the laws except one is as guilty as the person who has broken all of God's laws For the same God who said you must not commit adultery also said you must not murder So if you murder someone but do not commit adultery you've still broken the law If we judge people if we if we put people down um if we favor some people over others it's a sin james 2:11 for the same god who said you must not commit adultery also said you must not murder so if you murder someone but do not commit adultery you still have broken the law if you have favor over someone you still have broken the law You still miss the mark of what God has for you, for us. Exceeding the speed limit is breaking the law? (laughs) Okay, I'm guilty of that. Uh, Running a red light? Well, yeah, I'm kind of guilty of that too. Expired tags on my truck? Well, uh, I'm doing better. You know, I wasn't too far (laughs) behind. (laughs) But here's the thing. Disobedience to God is breaking the law. And... I think sometimes we, we're missing God's heart when we judge others. And I know that we're missing His heart when we don't step out in faith and say, "God, I don't know how in the world you're going to do this, but I know that you're telling me to do this, I am going to trust you." Jesus came to fulfill the law. It's through Jesus we're set free, James 2:12. So whatever you say or whatever you do, remember that you will be judged by the law that sets you free. There will be no mercy for those who have shown, who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. And some versions say of this last phrase, mercy triumphs over judgment. And uh, we, want, we want mercy for ourselves, but judgment for others when they do us wrong. Now, let, me, let me pause here for a moment. And when, he's, when, when the scriptures talking about judgment, those of us who have accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior we're saved. So we're not going to be judged on whether we we were good enough to be saved. By the way, no one can be. It's only through Christ. But we are going to be evaluated for our obedience and the works that we have done. And we'll get to that here in a minute. But I want to be clear, this judgment uh, is uh, is not a judgment of salvation. For those of us who have accepted Christ, we are saved. But God has given all of us tasks, and He's given us all the the opportunity to obey, and we're going to be evaluated on that because the Word talks about rewards in heaven. He's a rewarder of those who sincerely seek Him and do His will and obey. And so there will be rewards for those of us who have been obedient in what He's asked us to do. So let me just, I just wanted to be clear about that. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? When unsaved or lost people look at your life, are you an inspiration to them to get saved? (laughs) Or do they say, oh, no, I don't want to be like them. Suppose you see a brother or sister who who has no food or clothing, and you say goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? Now, I know that uh, there are people that are panhandlers, and and I don't think that's what the Scripture is referring to. There are people that are able to work, but choose not to work because they're too lazy to work, or, or they're manipulative. I remember there was a person that used to stand out on one particular street corner and and, uh, one day uh, we were shopping and we stopped to eat and this gentleman was in this restaurant, fast food restaurant, and he had not one, not two, but three cell phones that he was checking stuff on. And I'm like, how can he afford that? And so the word says that if, if a man won't work, he shouldn't eat. But listen, we all need some help. But I don't think that we don't want the word is not wanting us to enable people to to manipulate the system or other people. If somebody needs some help, let's help them. But let's not enable them to stay where they are. That's not helping them. <laughs> so we all need help from time to time, and sometimes there are legitimate needs. But that's not, you know, some of these people have crossed the line into Entitlement and uh, manipulation and things like that. So that's not what the scriptures talking about. Paul writes it to the Thessalonians in Second Thessalonians three ten. Even while we were with you, we gave you this commandment: those unwilling to work will not get to eat. So I mean, God has given us all the ability, and if we need some help, then let's get some help. But let's not take advantage of other people. Let's continue on in James two seventeen. So you see, faith. By itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds it is dead and useless so let's look at the definition of faith in Hebrews 1 uh, 11 1 rather faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen it gives us assurance about things we cannot see so stepping out in faith requires faith because if we could see it if we could have it then it wouldn't be faith back to James 2 17 So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. Verse 18. Now someone may argue some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? Verse 18 continues. I will show you my faith by my good deeds. I think if James were here, he'd be saying, hey guys, go out and live it live this thing out there should be a, a, a demonstration of our faith by the way that we live James 2:19 says you say you have faith for you believe there is one God good for you even the demons believe this and they tremble and they, and they tremble in terror when people say well I believe in God oh great well so do the demons from hell that doesn't prove anything do you have a relationship with him? <laughs> How foolish! Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Verse 21, don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God uh, by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? And so we know that God spoke to, to Abraham and said, I want you to offer a sacrifice. And what did he tell the people? He said, I want you to stay here. The boy and I will be back. He had faith. He had faith that God could raise him up. He had faith. He he didn't know. He was just following the Lord. And then he gets ready to sacrifice the son, and there's a ram caught in the thicket over there. And that's what he sacrifices. See, faith will cause us to, to get out of our own rationale and logic and reasoning sometimes and step out in faith. The men and women that God has used powerfully have exercised great faith do you have great faith? Are you willing to obey? Are you willing to do what the Lord says? Are you willing to take the Word of God? Are you willing to do what the Word says and live this thing out? Uh, 22, verse 22, you see his faith and his actions work together. His actions made his faith complete. Verse 23, and so it happened just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. Verse 24, so you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Now, you may be thinking, well, wait a minute. I remember something that Paul said in Ephesians. It's James in conflict with what Paul has taught. Let's go to Ephesians 2, 8-10. God saved you by His grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. Verse 10 continues, He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that He planned for us long ago. So, Paul is not saying anything different than what James is saying. He's saying the same thing. That it's this work that God is doing in our hearts and lives that will drive us to do good works. Clearly, we are not saved by good works. If we could save ourselves, Jesus would not have needed to come. So it's clear that we're saved by grace through faith when we believe. But James and Paul are saying something that works together well. James is saying, I'll show you my faith by my good deeds. Faith is demonstrated by action. Verse 25, Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. And so we know this, you know the story where uh, she hid the the spies and uh, they said, well, and she said, when when you come back to take the city, spare us. And they said, well, you leave a a scarlet covered uh, rope hanging from your window. And have your family here and and you will be protected because she knew she was a harlot <laughs> but she had faith in God she knew the power of, of the God that the Israelites served the same God that we serve and she said when you come to take the city save us and they said we will but you have to obey you have to do what we're telling you to do and then you will be saved James 2 26 just as the body is dead without breath so also faith is dead without good works. I remember a couple of weeks ago when my mom passed from this life to eternity with with the Lord. When I, I saw her laying in her bed, and I knew that her spirit was gone, her soul was gone. That body that housed her spirit and soul was just the body left behind. Even though her hands were still warm, I knew that she was gone. Why? Because she had no breath. She looked the same, but there was no breath. And so it is with faith and good works. Good works are a demonstration of our faith. Good works are a result of our faith. Good works are the fruitfulness that comes from our faith. Because, you know, if, 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 if God is doing this, this work in our lives, there should be a change. God calls us to good works. He calls us to faith. Good works don't save us. I mean, we just talked about that in Ephesians 2, 8-10. We're saved by grace through faith. But James is saying, I'll show you my faith by my good works. I'll prove to you that I have faith. And I'll be an example to you. Good works are a result of our faith. I'd like for you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Maybe this morning God is speaking to your heart. Maybe you had a relationship with him at one point in time, but you've walked away. Maybe you've never had a relationship with him, if that's you. And you want to come into this relationship or come back, just slip up your hand and catch my eye. Anybody here this morning? Maybe you're watching online and you say, that's me. We can take care of that right now. Just say this prayer. Just say, dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. I receive your grace and your mercy. Your forgiveness. I ask you to help me to forgive others and help me to even forgive myself. And Lord, I thank you for this new day. I thank you for this fresh start. I thank you for this new beginning. And I receive you today in Jesus' name. And if you prayed that prayer, I want to pray one more prayer for you. Lord, I pray for the baptism and the fire of the Holy Spirit to wash over everyone that prayed that prayer, and that they would have a greater sensitivity to your Holy Spirit. As they read your word, your word would come alive. As they spend time in prayer, they would hear your small, still voice. As they sit and meditate on your word or spend time with you, that, that, that you speak to their hearts, Lord God, and that uh, they walk in the power and the authority and the dominion that you call them to walk in. that they choose to obey you listen and obey and follow through that they will do the word that they will live the word they will be committed to you let that be a prayer for all of us and we thank you for it in Jesus name we hope today's message encouraged you for more information about our church please visit our website lifefellowship.me We invite you to join us again next week for another life-changing, uplifting message. And remember to live it!